I want to share with you a passage that comes from Philippians chapter 4 tonight as we bring to a close our Mind Your Manners series where we have plunged into Philippians 127 where Paul states, let your manner of living be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And as believers, there are certain manners our lives are to exhibit as gospel people so that we represent the name of Jesus and his gospel message properly. So turn to someone around you and tell them one more time this week, mind your manners. Make sure that as a follower of Jesus, you are minding your manners and living your life in a manner worthy of the gospel. As Paul closes his letter to the Philippians, he reveals what could be the most powerful and impactful manner of gospel living that should be evident within each and every one of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus. So in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 8, we find Paul write these words, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. A life lived in a manner worthy of the gospel is to be a content life. We should be seen as a people who are filled with contentment. In other words, gospel people are to be content people. But living with a true level of contentment is an elusive thing for most of us. And some of you might argue with me a little bit on this and say, no, Trey, I'm serious. Like, I really am content with my life and the things that are in it, but I think a lot of us suffer from what I call cautious contentment. And if you suffer from this infirmity, then more than likely these particular statements in some way, shape, or form will be found to be evident in your life. So if you suffer from having a cautious contentment, you might say something to the effect of, I'm not complaining about my car, but I'm blessed to have this job, but one day you might be like some unfortunate souls who find themselves in this situation. I love my spouse and being married, but... Well, I love having academic opportunity, but you're cautiously content. In other words, you know that you're supposed to be content, but at the same time, there are some things you would like to see changed as well. So you have a cautious contentment instead of a confident contentment. Manners are something that have to be learned. In the same way, so does contentment. It has to be Learned. Paul said, I have learned to be content. So contentment is a manner specific in the sense that it has to be learned. So I want to take us through some contentment coaching. 
for the next few moments. I don't want to preach contentment at you because I feel like so often within the church setting, that's what happens when we speak about contentment. We feel like contentment is being preached at us. I want to teach contentment to you. So can I do some teaching tonight? That's why I swapped it up and got the table out. The podium says preach. table says teach. Some of you that have been here for a while, you know the routine. I want to teach some contentment keys to you tonight and coach you up in this area a little bit. And as simplistically and practically as I can, I want to walk through just a couple of key things concerning contentment. And the first one being this, let's talk about how it's gained. Let's talk about how contentment is gained within our lives. As Paul is speaking these words, please don't lose an awareness of the fact that he's in prison. And prison in those times was absolutely nothing like prison in our modern day times. Paul was constantly in chains. Even when he was in his cell, he was tied up in bonds, which is a lot different nowadays. Inmates can be taken from place to place, and most of the time they're bound up, but once they get into their individual cells, they take their handcuffs off. That wasn't the case for Paul. He was constantly chained, even while he was sitting in his cell. And they didn't get to do laundry, by the way. So there was no fresh clothes for Paul to put on from day to day. He didn't have the opportunity to go outside and, and wash three or four loads of laundry so he could at least have some clean clothes to wear. The clothes that he walked into prison with were the same ones that he had as he sat there in his chains. Have you ever wore them the same outfit for more than two days in a row? How many of you walked in here tonight wearing one outfit and you're going to wake up in the morning and put the same thing on? Don't raise your hands for hygienic purposes, but more than likely most of us are going to be wearing something different tomorrow. Why? Because you've worn this all day, you want it all night, it got nasty, it's dirty, it needs to be washed. You don't want to put these stale, nasty clothes back on. Paul never got the chance to do anything like that. No laundry, no clean clothes, no showering. Imagine that. No opportunity to, to bathe, no opportunity to clean himself off, no shaving, no haircuts, nothing like that. Now, he didn't have the opportunity to brush his teeth. You know what it's like to feel like you got like a sweater on top of your tooth because you've gone all day and you just got junk all over it and you just got this like a bad itch to just brush your teeth. No toothbrush. Paul didn't get to practice any personal hygiene while he was in prison. And by the way, if you needed to relieve yourself, you just went. Like right there. There was no yanking on the guard's arm saying, hey bro, gotta, gotta do some business. He wasn't going to send you to the outhouse. There wasn't a toilet for him to use off in the corner of his cell. He wasn't going to take him outside and let him do his business. He would have simply looked down at him and said, well, anytime you're ready. So imagine you're in change, you're wearing the same nasty clothes that you've been wearing the entire time that you've been in there. No shower, no shaving, no haircut, no brushing your teeth, nothing like that. And on top of that, you've got to use the bathroom, so you just go. And they didn't change cells after you went. You just kind of sat there and wallowed around in it. It's nasty. It's awful. It's a terrible situation that Paul finds himself in. And in the midst of all that, this man sitting there smiling and talking about contentment? How in the world can a person live with such a level of contentment in their lives? We become discontent when Walmart doesn't have our brand of toilet paper in stock and we have to settle for something different. Paul sitting in his own pile. He's content. 
How can you live with such a level of contentment? So I want to show you three components, and this is not an exhaustive list by any means, but three components to how we can gain increased contentment in our lives. The first one being this, you've got to realize that it's source significant. Contentment is source significant, meaning that it is greatly influenced and impacted by the source you seek to gain it from. So the reason many of us struggle with living contently is directly related to the fact that you've got a bad source that you are seeking your contentment from. And as your source changes, then guess what naturally occurs? Your contentment changes as well. And so let me show you how this works out. You guys, you, you're, you're in college right now. You've got your dorm or you've got your apartment and you're working towards a degree. You're working towards a career. And in the process of that, you might begin asking and pleading with God to give you an opportunity of some form within the field in which you're studying. So along came an internship opportunity and you're not getting paid to do it, which is fine with you because why? You're just happy to have the opportunity. And after you've been in that position for a little while, you've worked your butt off to advance yourself and make good grades and show that you can be a hard worker within the internship that you have, then you're praying and asking God to kind of create a new opportunity for you, and then all of a sudden here comes a part-time opportunity. And so you step into that, and it's not the greatest thing in the world, but you're happy to have it once again. Why? Because it's some money versus no money that you were making in your internship. And so now you're thankful to have that. Man, this is awesome. I'm so blessed to have this part-time job. It's the greatest thing ever. I'm making more money than I ever have. All the while, you're still working towards advancing yourself in your degree. And then graduation comes along. You finally earn that hard-earned degree that you've been seeking after, and you've been praying and asking God to open up a door of opportunity once you graduate and you move on to the next chapter of your life. And here comes a full-time position. And you put your name in the hat, and oh my goodness, you get the phone call, the job's yours, God has blessed. Once again, you're so thankful because now it's full-time, right? I was thankful for part-time, but that's just part-time pay. I needed something a little bit more. So now I've got a full-time job. I've graduated. I'm making more money than I ever have. I'm leaving my old stinky dorm room behind. I'm leaving my apartment behind, no roommates. Now I've got a nice little starter house of my own. It ain't huge, but it's better than what I've had. And I'm thankful to have it, and I'm blessing God, and I'm so thankful that His favor seems to be upon my life because He's raining blessings down upon me. And then you've been in that full-time position. It's entry level. You're not making a whole lot of money, but you're still happy to have what you got. And then you've been there for five years. Well, now all of a sudden, I need a promotion. What I was once thankful for, isn't getting it anymore. Why? Because I need a little bit more. I don't necessarily need a little bit more, but I deserve a little bit more. Because I've been here and I've put in my time now. If somebody needs to reward my effort. And this house that I got, it was a good start at home, right? But like, I mean, come on now. We're, we're advancing. Things are getting better. I need something a little bit bigger. I need a little bigger house. I'm expanding. I got a relationship. Maybe you've gotten married at that point. You need a little bigger house. You're going to start a family. I need something a little bit bigger than what I have. It was good at one time. And I was thankful to have it. But now I need a little bit more. And the next thing you know, you've been at your job for 10 years. God provides an opportunity. You get promoted. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I praise God from whom all blessings flow. I will sing of the goodness of God because he gave me this promotion. And then you got that promotion. And 10 years later, it's no longer enough now either. 
Now I've been here for 10 years. I deserve a little bit more. I got a little bigger house I want to buy. I need to upgrade my vehicle because I deserve that, right? Because I've been driving the same old beat-up piece of junk clunker for the past 12 years. So I deserve something a little bit better. And it's funny how quickly we become discontent with the things we ask for. Hey, God, I wanted that internship. Here you go. I'm tired of not getting paid anything. Hey, God, I need a part-time job. Here you go. Hey, this part-time job is good, God, but it's, it's not cutting it for me. I need something with a little better pay. Well, here you go. Oh, God, this is awesome. I appreciate it so much. But, hey, I've been doing this for a while, and I've got some next steps I want to take in my life, so I really need a little bit more. Well, here you go. It's funny how quickly we become discontent with the things that you ask for. The only significant source for sustaining contentment is Jesus. Paul said, I rejoice in Jesus. I press towards Jesus. I glory in Jesus. Philippians 3.8 says, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order, like we saw last week, that I may gain Christ. When you gain Christ, you gain contentment. And in Christ, in Christ alone, where you're Contentment, find a significant source for it to be sustained throughout your life. Because none of the other stuff will ever be satisfactory. There's always going to be a little bit more that you could climb to. There's always going to be a little bit more that you could reach out and grab. Jesus is the only source significant to sustain a content life. Second key component, if you want to gain contentment, is you've got to realize the way in which it is gained is by facing various situations. Paul said that he had learned in whatever situation to be content. Listen to me. I can't stress this enough. Contentment isn't gained through comfort. A true, full contentment cannot be gained if we only live in comfortable situations. So Jesus, in an effort to build contentment within us, will allow us to face varying situations. Now, this isn't something that we always enjoy. This isn't something that we necessarily ask for, but it is a necessary work that needs to be done if we're going to develop a true and full contentment within our lives. Paul said, I've been at the lowest of lows, and I've been at the highest of highs. I've been stuffed, and I've been starved. I've had more than I could have imagined, and I've had nothing to my name. But in every situation, I have learned to be content. So God allows varying situations in our lives. Listen, please grab a hold of this tonight, because I know it's not a simple thing, but it is transformative to you experiencing and holding contentment in all situations throughout your life. God allows varying situations in our lives because if all I ever know is abundance, I'd never learn I could be content in nothing. If all I ever know is a full belly, I'd never learn I could be content in hunger. If all I ever know is the summit, I'd never learn that I could be content in the valley. So watch this. Let me relate it to you like this. Because Paul uses these 
terms. And I think sometimes we, we let the terminology of Scripture kind of go over our heads a little bit. So I want to I bring this down to our, our level, I think, in which a way we could all relate to. When Jesus builds a contentment in you, it begins to take shape like this within our own lives. I'd love a five-bedroom house, but I can be content with a trailer. I'd love a steak, but I can be content with spam. I'd love a promotion, but I can be content with pennies. This is where contentment gets real in your life. And it may not be the easiest thing to endure. It may not be how we want to go through to achieve it or to gain it. But it's a necessary thing that God brings varying situations into our lives so we can learn to be content in any and every situation. Instead of just asking Him to change your situation, ask Him to make you content in your situation. So quick when we get into situations that we don't like and are not comfortable for us to ask and beg and plead God to remove us from them. Instead of realizing that he has us there to learn something. To learn what? Well, I would argue specifically to be content. So contentment is gained by various situations that enter into our lives. But then the third key, it's also gained through developing an eternal mindset. So much contentment can be gained through a proper mindset. And the proper mindset for believers is on the eternal. Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed. How? By the renewal of your mind. Colossians 1, or Colossians 3, verses 1 through 2 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds, mindset, on things that are above not on things that are on the earth. Philippians 4.8, we read it at the beginning of our scripture reading tonight. Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think, have your minds set on these particular things. Paul could be content because he had developed vertical thinking. But our problem is, for most of us, we've got horizontal thinking. And horizontal thinking doesn't build contentment, it breeds comparison. We live in a comparison culture firestorm. And social media is the gas that's setting it ablaze. How many of us have been guilty throughout the course of our lives to pull up social media and compare the whole of our lives with a tiny pixel of somebody else's. We live in an age of comparison. We'll compare anything and everything is the thing about it. We'll compare relationships. We'll compare bank accounts. We'll compare jobs. We'll compare opportunities. We'll compare houses. We'll compare clothes. We'll compare cars. We will compare Everything. I can't even, I tried to go to the gym the other day and, and see if I could find an example of a place where maybe I could get away from comparison. And what I found out was the gym's about the worst place that you can go to try and escape a comparison. What's a, what's a guy going to ask you? Hey, man, how much you bench? 
comparison. Why else is that question even warranted? I don't even know you, man. What's your name? How would you be? <laughs> comparison. Everything is about comparison. I would be willing to bet if we took a survey and I asked you, how many comparisons, how many of you made a comparison since you have been here tonight? 95, if not 100% of the room would admit to making a comparison since you've been here tonight. We compare everything. But when you stop looking around at the world and start looking up to heaven, thinking eternally, thinking vertically, all that stuff fades away. It, listen, it doesn't matter what I have in this world. It matters what I do in this world. That's what matters for God and His people. It's not what you have, it's what you do, and what you do specifically with the name and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And people get this confused because they think, because I'm content, well, that means I settle. That's not the case at all. I'm not asking you to settle for anything. Contentment does not ask you to settle for anything. As a matter of fact, Paul proves that that's not the case because he had an eternal mindset, and it says the exact opposite. Paul says, I press on, I strain forward. Having a content life doesn't mean you settle for anything. I don't settle my spirituality. I don't settle in my walk with Jesus. I'm content in Him, but I am ever pushing forward and progressing for Him. There is no settling. It's a life of progression, but it's a life of contentment in Him. I'm content, but I'm not settling when I develop an eternal mindset and let that drive the focus and the purpose of my life. Listen, we talk about comparison. Let me, let me give you something that transformed my life when God opened my eyes to it a few years ago. Contentment is the killer of comparison. And a few years ago, that's as far as I ever got with that. Here recently, God gave me a second half to it. Contentment is the killer of comparison, but it's gained through eternal purpose. So develop an eternal mindset, and it will help you gain contentment in Christ. So, talking about contentment, we've talked about how it's gained. Now I want to talk about what it shows. Let's talk about what contentment shows for a moment. Why does it matter for us as gospel people to live with a manner of contentment? Well, it matters because of what it shows to the world around us. And so, I gave you three components to gaining it. Now I want to bring you in on three characteristics of sharing it. And the first one is this, it's that Contentment is one of those things that can be consistent. What it shows to the world around us when we live content lives is that it can be consistent. Contentment can be ever consistent because my source is never changing. So when everyone else has a fluctuating level of contentment around me, which we see each and every day, when everybody else around me has this fluctuating level of contentment, they notice the consistency of ours, which provides an opportunity for us to share with them the source. 
That's why living a content life is so important to living in a manner worthy of the gospel because it provides opportunity to share the gospel. In a world where contentment is constantly fluctuating, for the world to look at a life and see a life that has a consistent contentment begs the question of how, why, where. Which provides for you as a man or a woman of God the opportunity to share with them the source that sustains your consistent contentment. That's why it's important. Because it shows that it can be consistent. But it also shows that it's not determined by circumstance. Contentment under any circumstance is an eye grabber to the world around us. When they see that you can be consistent. In any and every situation, like Paul says, when they see you can be content in any and every situation, like he said, that's an eye grabber to the world around us because, once again, it doesn't make sense. It's not a normal thing to perceive. And whether it's being content in place of being greedy or whether it's being content while in a place of being needy, circumstances don't determine contentment's presence in the lives of believers. Or at least it shouldn't. And when those circumstances don't determine its presence in our life, it shows to this world around us a trust that we have that Paul said later on in this chapter in verse 19, if you want to roll down and look at it real quick, that my God will supply every need. So my contentment isn't determined by circumstances because it doesn't matter in any and every situation I know that my God will supply my every need and that grabs the eye of the world and that's why it's important to be exhibited as a manner of gospel living within our lives and then the last one it shows that there's a higher value to be cashed Our contentment isn't established upon temporal things that don't last. And this is where everything gets set apart once again for those of us who live underneath the banner of Jesus. Our contentment isn't established upon temporal things that don't last. So, in other words, we're content to invest in the eternal. What we have in this world doesn't compare to the treasures we desire to lay up in heaven, which is exactly what Jesus exhorted his disciples to do. Don't lay up treasures for yourself here on this earth where moth and rust destroy. Lay up treasures for yourself in heaven where it doesn't get touched by the corrosion of this world and the fallen nature in which we live in. And so we exhibit to the world that there's a higher value to be cashed by the contentment that we show, that our contentment isn't found in how big our house is or what kind of vehicle that we drive or whether or not we do or don't have a relationship or a marriage or a six-person family one day in our life. On July 30th, 1967. I want to tell you this story as we finish up. A 17-year-old woman named Joni Erickson Tata dove into the Chesapeake Bay for a summer swim. 
What she was unaware of when she took that dive was that she had seriously misjudged the depth of the water. Now, as a result, she suffered multiple fractures to her neck and her spine that left her as a quadriplegic. Two years of intense physical training left her battling with anger and depression and anxiety, phantom pains. Can you imagine what it's like to feel pain even though you're paralyzed? Doubts of her faith, why God would allow such a thing to happen to her. But it was during that time that she ended up growing in her faith like never before. She's now the author of around 40 plus books, some of which she writ with her teeth. She's also a painter and has several different pieces of artwork that have been sold that she painted in the same manner with her teeth. And this is what she said in one of her books concerning contentment. For me, true contentment on earth means asking less of this life because more is coming in the next. Godly contentment is great gain, heavenly gain. Because God has created the appetites in your heart, it stands to reason that He must be the consummation of that hunger. Yes, heaven will galvanize your heart if you focus your faith not on a place of glittery mansions, but on a person, Jesus, who makes heaven home. There's a higher value. That when someone like Joni, who suffers a tragic accident at a young age, has to spend the rest of her life being a quadriplegic, can sit down and voice through her recorder that she's content. Man, that's supernatural. That's a work of God. Do you think her testimony has reached so many people across this world? Because she is the last kind of person that should be content. But because of who Christ is in her life, she realizes, since I have Him, what more is there left to be desired? So what about you? Are you living with a manner of contentment? Are you cautiously content? Or do you have a confident contentment? 
And then on top of that, what about your manner of living as a whole? As we bring this series to a close, is your life being lived in a manner worthy of the gospel and the calling that God has placed upon your life? Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for His glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through His Word here at Life.